Welcome to the Troublemakers Podcast with award-winning sports journalists Lisa Cornwell and Karen Krause, stirring up the conversation and controversy one story at a time. Oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, We've been waiting to get her back on the podcast. I say back on the podcast, Brittany Linsicum, two-time major winner. You got to start with that. That's awesome. But look, this is the first time you've been on the Troublemakers podcast now that Karen's involved and what a weekend to have it. What a, what a, what a weekend to talk about what's happened. Let's just start with, with Lexi playing. I mean, we were all kind of texting each other and watching this with, uh, with excitement. What was it like for you? I mean, obviously you've done this before. There's been a lot of chatter about that, but inside, were you feeling the nerves for what were you going through? Oh yeah. Especially coming down the stretch, you know, um, just to be that close to making the cut. I mean, she was inside the cut there for a long time and I kept refreshing, refreshing, you know, refreshing. Um, but just to, just to play as well as she did. I mean, it was phenomenal. Like it was, it, I mean, obviously making the cut would have been the best case scenario, but like, I still feel like it was a huge win for her, for women's golf, golf in general, um, all the fans watching, just everybody was glued to the TV or their phone, you know, refreshing, seeing how she was doing. And um, I thought she did fantastic. To your point, Brittany, um, even on the players um, at the tournament were into it. I was hanging out around the scoring trailer because I wanted to talk to a few players before she finished. And um, Matt Wallace came bounding out of the scoring trailer, saw that his caddy was scrolling on his phone and said, where's Lexi at? And then shortly thereafter, Tom Kim, the defending champion, came out of the trailer and said, um, Lexi's in trouble on number five. I mean, these guys were paying attention. It was wonderful. It was um, hard, heartening to see. Oh yeah, it's it's so great. You know, like even when I did it, that was my biggest concern was just how is everyone going to feel about me being there? Oh, is this a publicity stunt? Is this a gimmick? You know, is this just whatever? And and all the guys were super welcoming and it was so great. And I'm so glad that, you know, Lexi had that great experience just like I did and everybody was welcoming. And I mean, she's phenomenal. Like she does everything right. Like she is as good of a human inside the ropes as she is outside the ropes. I mean, with the driver, she she's just the full package. I mean, it, it was I'm just so over the moon for her and I uh, thought this was awesome. I wanted to do a wellness check on on a on a few people out there. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there are so many people. I mean, we can talk about the great stories and look, there was more support than I think antagonists, <laughs> and I'm sure that you understand that. Um, before we get into that specifically, though, when when you went through it, you knew that there would be some backlash, right? So, For sure. and knowing and knowing. Lexi so well. I mean, we've all been around her. She's dealt with so much just crap over the years, you know. Did you stay off social media? What did what did you do? Because it, it would be impossible, I think, to avoid the negative comments. Yeah, you definitely knew they were going to come. I did try to stay off social media, especially for Thursday, Friday, just to to, you know, not have anything, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I, I assumed I, I knew what they were saying, but actually it really wasn't that bad. I maybe had to block like two or three people, but all of the other thousands that had wrote and, and made comments, you know, were so positive and um, it was really awesome. You know, I probably texted Lexi way too many times when I found out that she was playing and just telling her, you know, you're going to be way more nervous than ever. You know, you don't go on social media. Like she already knew that she's a smart girl. Um, but yeah, just trying to, you know, give her as much encouragement as possible. 
um, help her even in the slightest from, you know, what I went through, what I felt, how I felt, um, just if, any little bit of advice I could possibly, you know, help her with, but definitely staying off social media was the, was my, my number one. <laughs> so I did go on social media because I'm a troublemaker and I tried to push back <laughs> at some people, but Lisa knows this, but I had no intention of writing for daily journalism. Again, I'm perfectly happy, um, with where I'm at with books. And then I started seeing some of the comments after the sponsor exemption was announced. And I thought, my goodness, someone has got to cover this um, objectively and with a different, Mm -hmm. through a different lens. So I knew that um, Lexi is in Delray Beach now and contacted the Palm Beach Post sports editor and said, hey, would you like some Lexi stories? And good on him for seeing the value in that. And I was really hoping she could make the cut if only to reward him for, um, for having that faith that these stories would get readership. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I would, I don't know, just let it unfold. Let it, you know, there's no reason to be negative about it or even comments after the fact, like there was no, there was nothing negative about it. Yes. She missed the cut. Okay. Whatever. But like, there were so many more positives than there were negatives. Just even in her press conference, I saw one of them. It was just, if I could influence one young child or one female person, um, you know, I've done my job, which is really cool. So, I mean, she, you was thinking so much bigger picture than just I'm gonna go out there and try to make the you know make the cut. It was it was a whole package thing for her and um, you know just just reading some of the comments. I fired back on a few of them on, on social media myself, and I hate when people um, you know think that oh she took a spot from one of the guys that's trying to keep their card. No, that those two sponsor invites can go to anybody they want. There was no saying that those two invites were going to go to the next two guys on that money list that, you know, needed a spot to maybe try to keep their card. That has nothing to do with it. She did not take a spot. They can be given to anybody. It's a sponsor's choice. Um, so yeah, I hate, I hate when people say that. It's, it's such a, a silly argument. And I mean, you and I are friends for a lot of reasons, but we get involved in these same arguments because we see these parallel lines. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. Um, in this day and age, and I'm like you, I try to ignore it. Like I've gotten better about ignoring the social media stuff, but sometimes I see it and I just like, if, and if somebody goes after Karen or after you or after somebody I know who's like fighting the good fight, I cannot help myself. It's part of it. Um, a good example is Charlie Hoffman got a sponsor's invitation this week. He's 142nd. Look, nothing against Charlie. I like him. I don't really think that it's fair. I don't. I mean, this is, you know, these are seven events in the fall. These players are fighting to keep their card. Why would a 142 or whatever Charlie is, with all due respect, again, I like Charlie, get that over a a player who's 130th. You know what I mean? Like you've lived through that. I can only imagine if you were in that position and you're 130 on the list and 142 gets an invite, that's an extra opportunity that's not earned. 100%. Totally agree. You know, it's even um, obviously the off topic, but the LET merger with the LPGA that has been our biggest topic for most of the year, uh, talking about giving them spots and taking away spots from our tour and, you know, where do they go before or after Epson tour? Um, It's the same thing, you know, just 
if you play better, it takes care of a lot of things. All right. Well, let's let's sh shift our focus. To actually, no, I want to hit on one more thing because I do think that this is important. Um, we go back to social media and they're talking about, you see so many, now like not the intelligent people who actually follow the sport and they know what's going on. These are trolls who yep. honestly I should not even respond to. <laughs> but there are people who use their names and they do seem legitimate if you look them up and they're still asking these questions like, is Lexi playing the men's tees? And can we just get past the gender with the tees? And just, yeah. you know, they're either tournament tees or color code them. Yeah. But it still is frustrating. I mean, going to the Lexi example and to what you what you did at Barbasol and, you know, Michelle and Annika and so on and so on. Is that a good way to open people's eyes to women's golf? I think so. I mean, I feel like so many people don't understand how good we are. We don't have that many cameras. It's really quite pathetic. Um, you know, we how do we grow our game when we're we have lack of you know cameras and, and exposure? Um, but I think it, it showed ex exactly you know what it needed to show this week. You know, so many people you know maybe didn't realize you know the LPJ we do the same thing that the men do. We just don't hit it three fifty. Okay, Lexi hits it like three hundred, but. Most girls, you know, average 250, 260, uh, which is very respectable. And But we have the same chip shots. We can hit the same flop shots. We have the same wedge game. You know, like all the other array of shots that you have to have to be a professional golfer, we have the same shots as the men. Even Tiger Woods, guys. Yeah, we have the same shots. Um, but it's just they hit it a lot further. Yes, there are men. That's going to happen. Um, so I think it really showcased, you know, anytime a female, myself, Michelle, Lexi, you know, um, I think it just kind of showcased, you know, Lexi obviously did it way better than any of us have done it. Um, just showcasing like how good, how much talent we actually have. And, um, you know, our games are very similar. Just, it's just a link thing. It's just men versus a woman. You know, it's just not, not going to equal out. Can I, can I add something to that? Because I was speaking to Stuart Sink, who has the distinction of, he was in the field of colonial when Annika played and he was in this week's field. And he said that what Lexi did was all the more impressive because, because she was ranked 120th in the field in distance, driving distance, even with 300 and a 301 average. So what that did, and there were instances where she didn't quite get all of her driver hit it squarely where she was 50 yards behind the men she was playing with. So she is hitting much longer irons or much longer clubs into sloped, you know, turtle shell greens, very firm greens, very difficult to keep them from the ball from running out. So, um, you know, I think some of the stats are sort of skewed and people don't really appreciate the daunting nature of what she was taking on here. They say, oh, well, she's got such power. So that course is perfect for her. Well, yes and no. She still had to come in with very long shots and it was very treacherous. And the one thing to your point, Brittany, her play around the greens was so solid. Um, and those, the Bermuda grass is quite ratty. It was not easy. And she, her shot making from around the green and out of bunkers was impeccable. And I do want to add also that the first day there were men I heard very clearly, they didn't care who heard saying she's not even going to break 80. Oh. Um, after her first round, when she made this 
remarkable up and down save from the fringe for par. Um, some of these same men were saying, wow, that's quite impressive. So to your point, she is changing minds. She did change minds, even if she missed the cut. Yeah. I think I need a sip of my drink on that topic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll join you. With that in mind, Karen just wrote a, a fantastic article and I hope everybody reads it. I'm glad that the Palm Beach Post, Karen, first of all, sent you, but secondly, let you get on the opinion side as you close this thing out, because I do think opinions matter and we've got to, we got to share our opinions. That's why I respect you. One of the reasons I respect you, Brittany, because you're one of the few women out there who will actually lend your voice to this and say, look, we have to do something differently. So with that being said, going to Karen's article, she makes a good point that now is the time. Now, this is the proof. I mean, look at PGA Tour Live where I work. Look at all the discussion on social media about Lexi. Look at us here having this roundtable discussion, basically. And Karen's point is now's the time with this PGA Tour Alliance, with 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 this word being spread, let, let's really get some serious joint events going. And I love the Grant Thornton, but we need more. It's not, it's not team, but it's in the same place, kind of like what Vic Open is doing now or, or Northern Ireland on the LPGA DP World Tour. How do we have these discussions? Have you talked to Molly? Have you talked to anybody in the LPGA about actually pushing this, like legitimately pushing it? Not a sound bite, but pushing it. Yeah, we definitely need to be better um, at voicing it. You know, I, I've talked to Ricky Lasky about the schedule and how many tournaments we have on there and um, some of that kind of stuff actually a couple weeks ago in Arkansas. But we definitely need, like the JCPenney Classic back in the day was here in, in my home area, Tampa Bay. And I that was the first event I ever went to as a junior. And just I did the standard bearing. Um, I thought it was amazing. I watched John Daly, Laura Davies. Tiger Woods was there one year with Kelly Keeney. I mean, it was just... It was just a cool, fun of, a atmosphere to be a part of. So um, the Grant Thornton thing, we're super grateful that they came on board. I think that event hopefully will grow. You know, this year there's only 16 teams, which, you know, knocks out somebody like me who really, really, really wants to play. If anybody's listening and needs a partner, I'm available. <laughs> um, but just, I mean, it, it would just be so cool. Like, I feel like the PGA Tour is in California when we're in Florida and they keep us like so separated um, like, I don't know anybody on the PGA tour, like I've been a professional for 19 years. Like, how is that possible? Um, so I wish we definitely could do something just to kind of, you know, bridge the gap a little bit, you know, and, and just kind of come together and do some stuff. Cause like we said, you know, we're, we're doing the same things. We're, we're, we're trying to, you know, bring golf up and build the game and grow the game and leave it better than, you know, when we started. And, um, but I definitely think they're missing the mark on, on the, the joint thing, but, um, I'm 100% for it and, and try to advocate for that all the time. The problem is that everybody is looking out for their own self-interest. So I've had this discussion on the PGA Tour side, like why aren't you guys doing what the Vic Open is doing, what they're now doing in Northern Ireland? And the response is always, well, we can't take spots away from the men. And if we did these mixed events, we would have to have smaller fields. Of course, this was before they reacted in hasty fashion to the live um, threat. And now they do have the many limited fields. So that kind of negates that argument. Um, I really think someone needs to step up and it can't be Jay Monahan or anyone in that sort of 
rung of the ladder. It has to be a player on the advisory board or one of the superstars. Tiger, Rory, are you listening? Standing up and saying, look at boys, we have to look for the betterment of the game. We have to go for the greater good. And if that means that 16 fewer men um, are able to play in one or two events a season, but we bring the LPGA players together with us and have a joint event, it will pay dividends for all of us down the road. It, in, they're not taking, in the short term, maybe they're taking pieces of the pie, but ultimately they're making the pie bigger and that's a win-win for everybody. But everybody is protecting their own self-interest. And as long as that is the case, we're just going to be going around and around in circles on topics like this. Yeah, I agree. How great would it be to have one of the top you know, PGA guys coming and sticking up for us? I mean, so many of them are having kids nowadays and daughters. Like Ricky Fowler's a girl dad. Yeah. Rory's a girl dad. Yeah. Tiger's a girl dad. Right. I, I mean, I live every day from my rookie year to now, like trying to make this game better, leaving it better than when I came out and just trying to do whatever I can, wherever I'm needed, you know, I, I try to help out. And um, I mean, that would be so huge to have one of them because like, there's been rumors in the past that, you know, the men don't want to do it because they don't, wouldn't make enough money or there wouldn't be enough money. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's not even a money. Like, you have, they have enough money. They don't need the money. Um, but it would just be cool to gr- help grow the game for, for men and women. It, it would just be great. And I want to say this. You could do it. You, I think that you could answer sort of that that question mark and do it the way that the, that the USGA did it with the, with the men's open and the women's open. You look at the Olympics. I think that that's a good example. If it's impossible, if you have to shorten the field and maybe the best players on the men's side wouldn't show up, offer the same purse as what they would normally have and just, and, and run it back to back weeks. Right. And the reason that I say that you may not get the biggest boost, but it would be pretty hard. And we see this a lot. This is one of my biggest gripes with the media. It would be hard for the media to ignore it. Mm -hmm. So all these people who show up for these men's events, all these writers and golf channel and whatever it is, you already have your cameras in place. You already have your people in place if you run it in consecutive weeks, like what they did at Pinehurst, which I think was a huge success, there you go. And you can still operate separately. So you don't have to do what they're doing at Vic and play the same courses. I get logistically that there are drawbacks to that, but we've got to figure, figure this out in terms of at least some big events. I don't know if every major could do it, but there has to be a way. We have to start thinking outside the box. I know you are, Brittany, and you care about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was super hesitant about that U.S. Open being back to back. Just, I just, I think everyone thought, oh, we're gonna hit it in their divots. We're gonna be hitting the same spot. But that was not even close. Obviously, they were further back. We were, we were ahead of that. So it was totally fine. But not to knock the USGA at all. But that week. I have never seen a bigger dining room. I have never seen a bigger media room. Like normally we're kind of crammed into like the smallest. There's 144 girls plus 144 caddies. And then you get one or two guests at the U.S. Open normally. So there's hundreds of people, you know, trying to eat and dining. And we're trying to fit them in a room that's like not even close to being big enough. So um, just to see kind of their scale of, of how things operate just even a little bit, it was like, oh, my gosh, like. How amazing would that be to have every week, like 
but yeah, I think I, th I think that's a great idea actually because you would already have set up. They would already we could go in half, you know, from both ends to cover cost and just leave the structures up. I mean, it, it, it makes total sense. I remember at Shoal Creek, your former caddy, Missy Peterson, was talking about having to go to the bathroom in in a porta potty. Oh, they didn't even have bathrooms for porta potties. Yeah, or bathrooms for the caddies at Shoal Creek. Well, sad that the men normally have like they can go into the men's locker like in the. Women caddies aren't even allowed in our locker room, which is so, that's a whole nother topic. But I mean, it's a female, who cares? Like, <laughs> anyway. So I'm going to make the pitch for the Vic Open-like setting because having covered a lot of tennis, um, I see the absolute benefit of men and women, of having men and women intertwined. Um, there are men who would come to uh, cover Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer back in the day and then oh, there are these sisters, Serena and Venus. Well, I guess I'll watch them before the men's match. And then they're entranced. I mean, there were very few people I um, got the impression who watched Lexi or watched you in Lexington, because of course I was there in 2018 to cover that, but who didn't walk away going, dang it, she's good. And that's what you need. You need to get the product out in front of the change makers, the people who can then give you the coverage that can then draw more attention, that can then draw bigger TV contracts. It's just a ripple effect, but it begins with the exposure. Okay, let's switch to um let's switch gears to the LPGA. So many different things that we can talk about, but this this past week is a perfect example and we won't dive in too deeply on everything cuz like you said, that's a whole different podcast, but we'll hit the fringe elements. Um, you and I had a conversation and I, I've talked to Sarah about this. I've talked to a lot of people about this. Good example right now in China, the purse is $2.1 million, $2.1 million for the entire field. Players are going all the way over to China. It's not easy. You know, we know that, but every point structure outside of the majors is the same. So we have to get, and it's 2.1. So it is above that $2 million threshold that we've talked about. Yep. There are still a number of events on tour that are below the $2 million purse level. I think it's eight or nine. Uh, what are we going to do about this? I mean, I know that we've, we've had talks about this. I just, I don't think that a tournament with a $1.8 million purse should be getting full CME points. Right. hundred percent. What, what can we do about that? I think that the point structure needs to change. What do you think? What are your efforts? What's going on? Yeah, actually I had that conversation. Um, somehow I got appointed uh, a leader to, to kind of tackle this topic not long ago. Um, maybe just because I'm friends with Ricky Lasky, who does the scheduling, and uh, I can go to her pretty confidently and just have a normal conversation. But that was our that was our concern. You know, some of these are you know limited fields. They pay our flights and hotels, great, but they're still big companies, huge companies that have lots of money to have purses that haven't changed in ten plus years. You have to go up. Like, how are we not evolving and grow? Like, how are we ever gonna? you know, bridge the gap with the men, you know, we're not trying to get equal pay with the men, we're just trying to bridge that gap in the slightest, um, because they make so much more than we do. But, um, you know, I, I love our events that have been around for a long, long time, you know, I love traditions, I hate, you know, changing things. But some of these tournaments that have been around a long time that still have purses that are under $2 million. 
it's crazy. You know, it, it's somebody brought it up the other day too. You can finish, you know, 80 to a hundred on our money list and you're losing money. It's almost giving false hope to young girls who are, you know, trying to go to college or trying to turn pro. Oh, I can, you know, be 80th or a hundred on the LPGA. I'm going to make a great career. No, you're, you know, still living at home, living paycheck to paycheck because you can't cover your bills. You know, I, I made the cut a couple weeks ago in one of those lower events and finished 50th, I think, and made like $5,000. Like that like barely might've covered the week. I'm not even sure. I might've, might've lost money, but just, you know, my flights, mom, daughters, hotels. Yeah. I guess I don't have to travel with them to save some money, but it's still like you have to pay a caddy, their percentage, you know, all that stuff. So um, it adds up quickly, but definitely, um, you know, we're trending, you know, we're over a hundred million in prize money. I mean, it's, we're, we're doing incredible. The LPJ is doing great. I just want to see it quicker and faster and, and kind of bridge that gap quicker. And, um, but yeah, these events that are under two mil that have been at two mil for 10 plus years. Um, I would love to see those kind of like, let's, let's go. Like it's time we're, we don't, we don't need 36 or 38 events or whatever we have on the schedule. Nobody's going to play that many, maybe have those, you know, kind of I think the men do that where they have lower ranked events during like big events maybe we could have the U.S. Open or KPMG and then kind of throw one of those lower ranked ones like the same week so then you know girls that don't get in those events maybe have somewhere to go play as well so um, I think there's a lot we could do to kind of you know manage the schedule and keep those events if they don't want to you know move their purses but um, the fact that we're, we're playing we can make the cut you can finish close to last and you're still losing money there's something wrong with that. Brittany, what kind of answer do you get when you bring this up for why the purses haven't changed? Yeah, I feel like they always go back to like, oh, they're limited fields. There's no cut. You know, there's they pay for flight or hotel. But like some of those companies are big name companies if you look them up and, and they have the money and resources and um, to, to do that. So I, I know some of the domestic ones that have been around a long time. You know, I, like I said, I don't I don't want to see them go away. I just. Um, I love traditions. I love that they've supported the LPGA as long as they have. Um, but those events, I'm pretty sure they're going to kind of be pushed to kind of start upping their game or they're, they're potentially going to fall off the schedule. Do you think a lot of your fellow players realize the, um, the progress that can be made by using their voice? I don't think so. Okay. I feel like if we came together as a whole, like everybody came together and said, Hey, like, we're going to boycott this event or we need to go get this changed or go do that, you know, like tennis, like we got or soccer, you got to come together. It can't just be the three of us. And then like one or two LPGA players, like it has to be a huge amount of us all coming together and kind of wanting the same thing. You know, I, I again, talked to, um, I think she might've been a rookie and she was like, I was like, what if i said, you know, we're going to boycott a tournament just because they're, they need to raise their purse. And she was like, Oh, well, I, I could never do that. You know, I'm a rookie. I need to play. I need to try to make money. And I'm like, well, you're not making money. You're not understanding. Like we're still losing money. So I think it's just a mindset of some of the younger players just kind of getting on board, but. See, and I, and I will say that that's where I think that you could make that pitch that don't, don't throw away the sponsor. Just say, you know what, instead of 500 CME points at the top and, you know, and, and pyramided down, yep. make the pitch and say, and look, I've talked to Ricky about this too. This one's 400, you know, like you have a threshold, you have a, a you have a, a grouping. Brittany, I think you should make it mandatory for every rookie to read Billie Jean King's memoir all in yeah. or even better yet, have Billie Jean King come and talk 
to the LPGA membership. How amazing would that be? Because in the 70s, she took a stand and got everybody on board. They were ready to boycott the US Open over prize money. And that's how they ultimately, well, they ultimately got equal prize money in 1973, mind you, because Billie Jean King put pressure on the sponsors who came up with the equal prize money. It wasn't the USTA that capitulated, it was the sponsors, but it took Billie Jean King and other people just stepping in behind her and saying, okay, you're right, we'll do this at great potential personal pain, you know, you, Mm -hmm. that's how a movement progresses. I would love that. Yeah. There you go. That's your challenge. Brittany Linsicum is on it. She's going to get, she's going to get Billie Jean King to speak and you're going to start a task force on on the LPGA tour. Okay. I want to finish. I want to finish with this because you, you were on a red eye last night. So you got home early. You've got, you have, you have your two daughters, you have your family at home. So it's a perfect opportunity uh, for me to finish with this. Karen may have one more. I, I had this great conversation with Paula Creamer a couple months ago, and we were talking about being a mom on the LPGA tour and and the difficulties that people don't realize. I mean, yeah, you have daycare, you have your mom and dad with you a lot. Paula has her parents with her a lot. I can't imagine, Brittany. I mean, we've talked about golf is to be a good golfer at the professional level, you have to be selfish. You have to be. You cannot, I mean, you know this, you're a two-time major winner. You know what it takes to be great. Yep. I compare it with the men. Look at Lucas Glover. I don't feel like a woman who is a mom could do that. So how difficult is it? Is it for you? What's the difference for you then and now? Yeah, um, it's definitely um, time management, mom guilt. You know, when you, you know, you need to go practice, but you're like, oh, I, I really need to go see my kids. Like they've been, you know, at daycare all day. Like I need to take them to go do something fun. Um, so it's, it's definitely a balance. And I, I've talked to Julie Inkster a lot about it because obviously you can look up my uh, year this year has not been great. I, I did have an injury middle of the season, but um, is it is it time for me to retire? Is it time to kind of reevaluate things to be a mom or, you know, do I need to just keep fighting and push through this? You know, she said it took her five years to win after she had her daughters. And, you know, she said, said you, you have a lot of fight in you. you. You can't give it up. You're too good. You know, all this stuff. But you see the year that I'm having and it's like, oh, is it worth it? Like, it's just, it's a lot to travel with two kids. Even my parents are 70, 75. Um, so they're, they're not spring chickens. So when they come to help, I mean, they're, they're super great and super helpful, but obviously they're older. So it, it, it's a lot on them. And, um, you know, selfishly, I, I want to bring them with me because, that makes me the happiest. I went to two tournaments this year without them and I, I thought I was going to die. It was awful. Um, so I definitely like having them out, but again, then it's, you know, Emery was on the driving range with me one day and I'm trying to hit balls when she wants to hit balls. And it's, it's definitely a balancing act. You know, you, you want them to have fun and, and be there and hang out, but um, then you need to focus, you know, golf, the LPGA is in such a great spot and going in, in a great direction. You know, when I came out on tour, nobody outside the top maybe 20, 20th on the money list could ever win a tournament. And now the depth of the LPGA is so deep and the girls are getting younger and younger. They're getting better and better. And, um, you know, cuts back in the day used to be two over par. And now like every cut seems to be two under, four, was four under the other day at a tournament. So the, it's just the golf is unbelievably good right now and, and it's only getting better. So 
Um, it's definitely true. You know, my, my okay game back in the day is not good anymore. Like these, these girls are way too good. So, um, it's definitely a balancing act. Obviously I wouldn't tra- change it for anything. I love being a mom. It's like the greatest thing ever. I love seeing their faces in the morning when they get up or up from a nap and, um, just being there if I need a hug, you know, after a bad round, but, um, it's definitely a, a, a juggling act for sure. That's what people don't realize is that for women athletes, their prime um, the sporting years co- collide with their prime childbearing years. Um, I remember, again, Serena Williams being kind of irritated that she wanted to grow her family. And in her 40s, she still felt like she had tennis left. And she said, look it, Roger Federer can play with four kids but I just can't do that. I mean, it's just a simple biology and it is, you know, the, that's where it just isn't the same. It's apples and oranges with men and women and their trajectory of their careers just because of simple biology. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, you know, players want to have kids earlier rather than later. And and me, I just, I didn't meet my husband until I was 30. So that it kind of worked out better for me, obviously get, you know, playing as long as I could my, my peak of my years and, um, you know, now 38 being a mom and, and still trying to play professional golf. It's just, it's one of those things where you've done it. I've done it my whole life. I've never done anything else. So even the thought of just retiring or shutting it down, it's really scary. So um, million dollar question is when are you going to retire? And I, I have no idea. We could talk for hours, but we're going to fix all these problems. And and like I said, I don't want everything about the LPGA Tour to be negative. I mean, there are a lot of great things happening, as you said. They're just, they're always small issues to clean up. And the Brittany Lincecum Task Force is going to get it done. With Billie Jean King, that's my next phone call. <laughs> as, your, as your speaker. You go, girl. Yes. Brittany, thanks for joining us. It was great. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to the Troublemakers Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating, and a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at the TM Pod.